Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey everybody, it's Jeff here once again with the Freedom Nation podcast. And today I have Bo Eckstein on. Bo is a professional in the real estate world. He'll talk a little bit about all the things he does from a kind of educational perspective, a practitioner's perspective. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit about real estate investing as part of that, the concepts of Freedom Day and some of the things that we believe in. Uh, we certainly want to be able to discuss how you get started in that world. So, Bo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on. And let's kick it off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story on how you got to where you are today? Sure. So, um, growing up, I wasn't a very good student. I didn't open books. Um, <laughs> and uh, I actually was diagnosed with a learning disability. So, might have been part of the reason I never was interested in school and, and I, yeah. I felt like I was a slow learner. But uh, after I, I graduated high school, I was like, well, I got to get try to go to junior college. So mm -hmm. try to go to junior college. Didn't really enjoy it. Always had a always had something in the back of my mind saying real estate, real estate, real estate. Okay. I happened to get into the loan business. I started as a telemarketer at a, at a residential mortgage company hmm. when I was about 20 years old. And I've been in real estate ever since. I'm now 45. So that was really my you know, I made a lot of mistakes in real estate, but pretty much been an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, you know, I've worked for different lending institutions. I own uh, a real estate franchise, a brokerage. So I've been just entrepreneurial and, and really in, in, in the lending and real estate business, you're only as good as your last transaction, right? <laughs> so that's when I quickly learned about passive income. And over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, that's really kind of where I focused because I realized that uh, my dollars are my employees and mm -hmm. I want to deploy these employees out there to make returns. And, and how can I do that in the best way possible? And I found that real estate was an amazing tool because of leverage. And that's why mm -hmm. I could really grow my net worth and my cash flow a lot easier than anything else I found. That's awesome. So what, uh, it's a, you know, as you made that transition into passive income, so let's kind of talk a little bit about that. You know, when you started to look at, well, what, is going to be my vehicle for it. Uh, obviously, you'd been in the real estate side. What uh, what were kind of your first steps? So, you know, when you are arranging financing for people, you get to look at their financials and you quickly realize the people that have the most money typically owned businesses and owned a lot of real estate assets. So from there, um, I said, well, how can I do this? And in, I, didn't, I, what, I didn't educate myself the right way in the beginning and I was speculating. Okay. And then 2007, I was in my 20s, 2007 rolled around and I was completely over leveraged. I wasn't buying real estate for the right reason. And in a, to make this story short, I basically had a midlife crisis in my 20s because everything mm -hmm. just, I, the assets I owned went down 60% Oof. on the West Coast and I was pretty screwed. And so I had to regroup, right? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, sometimes things happen. You have to regroup and you have to go, you can either give up and go work nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't want to do that. Do that. So 
I dove back into real estate head first and said, okay, this time around, let's try to be a little bit smarter. The one good thing about real estate is very forgiving. If you can um, weather storms, because even to this day, I make mistakes, but I can weather storms because mm. it's hard when you're dealing with contractors and properties that are out of state, things like that. You're going to run into issues. But now at least I have the, the understanding of cash flow and, and what assets make the most sense and how to interact with property managers and contractors and what assets stay rented and give you the least amount of headaches. So that's what mm. I really focused on. Yeah. Now, what type are you mostly a... Uh... You know, are you mostly in the rental real estate space or do you do flips or, or what, what's your flavor? Sure. So I, so after the downturn, I completely, you know, basically should have filed bankruptcy. I didn't. This was mm. in 2007. And, you know, I wasn't the only one to fail. There was a lot of banks like uh, okay. Lehman Brothers. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was exactly. a terrible, yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible time, but it was also an amazing time. Mm. So it's like, okay, how are we going to pick up the pieces? So my credit was ruined. My spirit was almost ruined. Luckily, I, I kept resilience. And then I said, well, what can I do to make money today? Mm-hmm. And I started working with a hard money fund that lent money to house flippers. Okay. And pretty soon I started doing these loans, originating those loans. And I quickly discovered that I could be I could buy low and sell high. It's pretty mm-hmm. simple. Once okay. you got the formula, what are you going to buy it for? So I started flipping houses. Mm-hmm. And we did that, you know, a lot. and. I partnered with other people's retirement funds and other investors and I partnered with a contractor. So I would find the deal and run the deal and I'd get 33% of the profit. So I was doing no money down deals with the right partners. We did that. And um, I remember one deal I pretty much worked an hour on and I remember we ended up selling it and uh, we made about, my portion was about 32 grand. I go, wow, this was the easiest $32,000 I've ever made. Mm-hmm. And that that sticks out in my mind from years back. And so I, over the years, then I kind of got into more of the commercial finance space. Mm-hmm. So I fund a lot of flippers now. Okay. And so what I love about it is I've, I've helped flippers go from, you know, doing no deals to doing their first deal. And then my progression has been, okay, well, let's buy buy and holds because mm-hmm. flipping properties is a job and I don't want yep. another job, right? The point of this show why I'm here is that we don't want jobs. We want- nope. We want to make our money be our employees. And and so I was taught the concept of, concept of being a, a hundred percenter. So mm. let's add up our monthly outgo, insurance, mortgage, all that stuff, entertainment. What does it cost you per month to live your life for your family? Let's just say that costs you $10,000 a month or $8,000 mm-hmm. a month. The first step to being a hundred percenter is to build up that passive cash flow so that I'm making $10,000 a month net cash flow from my real estate investments. Mm-hmm. And that's what we work for. Then once once you get to becoming 125 or 150 percenter, then at that point, I would say maybe look at quitting the W-2. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, as you're scaling up, if real estate's what you want to do, keep the W-2 because it makes getting financing a little bit easier. Although now we have all these hybrid programs where you don't need to show income, but yeah. it's still you get the cheaper cost of capital. So I, I today I own uh, properties in the Midwest and in Pennsylvania. When I was living in the Bay Area, I did a lot of house flipping. I actually did a TV show for HGTV on wow. a house flipping show in 2013. We did 12 episodes. The show was called Flip It to Win It. Kind of fun. It was my first TV thing, and I learned how fake TV really is. But besides <laughs> that, it was wait, a great Wait, experience. you mean you don't, you're not able to rehab all those properties in 30 minutes? 
No. Yeah, exactly. Man, you're just breaking the whole game here. Do you ever wonder why, like, every episode, there's, like, we find something in a house. Okay, on this episode, we're going to stash, like, something. It was just amazing. (laughs) They would come to us, and they were like, okay, you guys got to do something really big on this when we're shooting today. What what can you do? And we're like, oh, we we have a – we had a, a, like, a – a, a detached ADU type of property in the back of okay. this house. Yep. It was kind of falling down. So we got the bright idea for the episode that we bulldozed it and we did it and it was fun. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely not as easy as these TV shows make it out to be, but it oh, was, I you know, I, I love the experience. It was, you know, how, how many people get to be on TV and, and uh, it was fun. And I, I would probably do it again. Maybe not yeah. a house flipping show. <laughs> but over time, I decided, hey, I don't really like flipping because it's short term. You're getting yeah. taxed the highest. The The real money, the real wealth is is created by holding real estate. And so then I started to buy, fix, and hold. And then okay. our, we would refinance our money back out. We call that burring. Burring stands for buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat, right? You mm-hmm. can keep on doing that. So you don't need yeah. too much money if you can recycle your money and you buy, you know how to buy these type of fixer uppers. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, for somebody that is sitting out there today that's saying, God, you know, I just want to get started. What's, what's your recommendation for those first few steps to get started? So we're all in a different boat. Some of us have a couple million dollars sitting around. Some of us need to create sweat equity. So if I was, um, you know, a high paid executive, for example, I would probably look at doing some LP investments hmm. as a limited partner in a syndication. You could own, cause you get the tax advantages through a K one onto your tax returns. Okay. So I would look at maybe looking into some syndication if you want to be more passive, hmm. but if you say, Hey, you know what? I, I can't afford to be passive. Maybe I can do a little bit of $50,000 investment, but really I need to make, I mean, I need to create a business that doesn't run my life, but yet we can create great revenues from that. From there, I would probably look at, you know, the the different food groups. We have short-term rental, right? Mm -hmm. Those are high cash flowing assets or potentially. And, you know, I have friends in the short-term rental space that on five properties, they're grossing $70,000 a month in gross revenue, which probably they're netting about 30,000, right? (laughs) Those are, those are big properties though. They're Mm -hmm. like million dollar properties, $800,000 properties that, that he's acquiring. But uh, I watched him in two years go from owning one rental property that had no cash flow to having five short-term rentals that created $70,000 a month. So he replaced his income in about a year and a half. And he had a couple hundred thousand dry powder. He went out and bought good assets that made good short-term rentals. And he created a legacy business in two years, which is very impressive. Mm. Um, But some of us don't have a couple hundred thousand dollars sitting around. So what can we do? That's where the Burr method, I think, comes in, where you buy. So you can get short-term financing. If you need to leverage, you can get short-term financing. I can I can lend you up to 90% of the purchase price and 100% mm-hmm. of the repair cost. Okay. Gross loan amount not to exceed 70% or 75% of the fixed-up value, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's where you cap. But that's pretty, pretty high leverage, isn't it? Like 10% yeah. down. So you do that. Instead of flipping the property, you then maybe convert it to a short-term rental. You furnish it or you, it's a long-term rental. The other opportunity in the residential space is called midterm rentals. 30-day stays and longer for uh, you know traveling professionals, mm. traveling nurses. That's another great industry that you don't have to um, deal with the short-term lending permit and, and regulations that are popping up everywhere. 
Yeah. So you got to know these, uh, you know, these food groups. So that's the residential food groups, right? Then mm -hmm. there's also co-living. Okay. Co-living is you can take a house and you can split it up and rent it by the bedroom. Mm -hmm. I have friends. I have friends that do that and do it very well. There's a company called Pat Split out of Atlanta, and they actually manage properties for you. And, and mm -hmm. they'll take a four bedroom house or a five bedroom house and convert it to a six or seven bedroom house, rent it out for. So you're getting three to four x normal rents by doing co-living. Okay. So that's another strategy. Some people do um, boarding houses. Some people do assisted living. So mm -hmm. you can do a lot within just the residential space. Okay. And then you then the other food groups could be self storage. It could be multifamily, five units and greater. It could be. Um, I have clients that do industrial properties. They they get an industrial property and they they do what we call value add. They take this industrial property and they maybe it's three big three office spaces in this light industrial property. And then they carve it up into six and they get more per square foot, right? So there's all these strategies in real estate investing. And you can't possibly start with all of them. So yeah. I think you should learn a little bit about each of them and say, you know what? I, I resonate with this. I, I, in my market locally, I think there's an opportunity here. You know, there's other investors like myself who live in Las Vegas, but I'm investing in Indiana and Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Is that the best strategy? I don't know. It yeah. has its problems like they all do. So yeah, those are the, there's different food groups and it's really just kind of getting in there and learning. And it's a, it's a constant evolution because you keep on learning. And, but there's there's ways of you can also wholesale real estate yeah. for quick money. I, I go out and I find this great deal in Las Vegas. I I get the, the the purchase contract. The seller agrees to it. Instead of me closing on it, I actually just assign the the, the purchase agreement for a fee. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've seen routinely. I've seen people make six figure assignment fees by yeah. just assigning a contract, by finding the deal. It's all out there in real mm -hmm. estate. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I looked at it from my point of view. I mean, I, I did very much the same things, you know, started off in the wholesaling business, kind of built up some, it, it helped to generate cash flow, you know, so that you could use that and then transition in. But, you know, we've done that very same thing is started to transition more over into the, the long-term rentals. It's intriguing to me that the midterm rental is intriguing to me. I had a, a real estate agent friend kind of bring that up to me because we have a big hospital. It's a big teaching hospital that's in central Texas. And, you know, they've just got tons of people coming through there for six, eight months at a time. And, you know, it's, it's an intriguing market. So I, I think there's a lot of really cool things out there. And I think, you know, what would your take be on, you know, the real estate market right now? You know, of course, if you listen to the doomsayers, you know, the world of real estate's falling apart and it's dead and nobody will, nobody will ever buy another house again. And yes. So I think this market is ripe for seller finance deals, right? You, you seller, you name your term. I mean, you name the price. I name the terms. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing a lot of, there's a lot of retiring landlords that are okay. in their 80s and they're like, listen, I just want to sell, but I don't want to sell and take all this cash and, and get taxed at the highest level. Let's do it on an installment sale. Mm -hmm. So if I think you can speak to these sellers in a way that they understand it and say, hey, you know, it's it, it's it's a win-win. It's easier for me to, for you to sell or finance it. I'll pay you over, uh, you know, the next 10 years. And so you're only pay, paying tax on what you're paid out that year. Mm. So you're not getting paid, taxed in a 30% bracket or whatever it ended up being. It's a win-win. So you're yeah. seeing a lot of those. Plus, if, a, if, if it's a little tougher property to sell. So really creative terms is, is, is an amazing 
you know, food group within a food group where mm-hmm. you could be structuring deals. Like we're looking at a multifamily and the seller is willing to, you know, carry up to 80%. We're trying to get them to carry 90% on this deal. Yeah. Um, I like leverage is the key in real estate. And, mm-hmm. and unless you have a bunch of cash, so if you're buying self-storage facilities, for example, that's considered a business and you can finance that with SBA. Mm-hmm. You can do up to 90% financing with a, a SBA loan, which is truly amazing. Yeah. So, and and then you can also get 5% seller carry back or we call it on standby. I only have to come in with 5% to close the deal. Which that is could, I could bring in an investor in that owns less than 20% that they don't need to go on the loan. Mm-hmm. I just did 100% financing on a, on a self-storage acquisition if needed, awesome. right? And then you do a cost segregation, you accelerate the depreciation. What does that mean on your taxes? I'm not a CPA, but mm-hmm. anyways, you get the right team members because you always wonder how these ultra wealthy and people complain, well, they don't pay taxes. Well, yeah. the, if they follow a code and they understand cost segregation, this is, I mean, we, this is an amazing time. Yeah. All my successful friends utilize cost segregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing is the, the tax laws were written to help you to not have to pay tax. That's what people don't seem to understand. They, they think the IRS is out to get you. No, they, they want you to follow the rules. They, they hope that you follow the rules. If you cheat, yes, you get in trouble. But if you follow the rules, okay, that's the rules were written to help investors. And that's what the, that's what the IRS, that's what the government wants is for you to be an investor and, and be out there. So take advantage of it. Utilize the rules. You just need to understand them and have good people on your team that can help you with Exactly. That. Yeah. I mean, that's the funny thing is I told you I had a learning disability and I didn't really yeah. open books, but now I study more than anybody does. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I don't study more than, I study a lot. Okay. Yeah. And I'm taking courses. I'm going on weekend events mm-hmm. where I'm learning from others. I'm learning about the 1031 exchange. I'm learning about yeah. cost segregation and bonus depreciation. Yeah. I'm learning about self-directed IRAs and, and you know, there's a whole world out there that can be my, my lending partners. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I used to go out to Indiana, the, the deals were small, but I still didn't want to pay cash. Right. Yep. So I would go out and call my friend instead of calling bank of America, I'd call bank of Adam. Mm-hmm. Hey Adam, I'm buying this house in South Bend, Indiana for 34,000. I need 15 grand to, you know, so it's like 50 grand or all in or 45,000. And, um, Adam, will you lend me a first lien, you, you know, on the property? He would lend me purchase price and reno- renovation. I have no money in the deal. Mm. I fixed the property. Now it's worth 85000 I refinance with a, uh, an investor loan. Pay him off. He's happy. I pay him 10% and a couple points. I'm happy because I just did a 100% finance deal and increased yeah. my net worth by 50 grand. That's the power, right? Yeah. And so you got to learn these strategies. And there's tons of opportunities. You can go to meetup.com and find investor clubs and and. and don't always take everybody's word. You got to do your own due diligence on this stuff because there's a lot of people out there that don't give good information. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of collective geniuses out there that you can like get in with and network with and like learn from. And a lot of the people that are very successful, if you go in with a not a just me me attitude, but hey, how mm-hmm. can I help? I'd love to learn from you. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that would mentor mentor you out there too that will give you some tips and help you and take a look at a deal and say, yeah, what are the pros and cons of this deal? So. It's a great community. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I would encourage people, it, it is a learning business. I mean, if you, if you don't feel like, if you want it easy and you don't want to do anything, then stick with something like limited partnerships or whatever. But if you want to actually actively be involved, you've got to do what you're doing all the time. It's getting out there, going to classes, taking, you know, 
learning and, and teaching yourself and reading books and everything else, because there's just so much you can't learn it all. And, and if you ever think you're going to get to the end of the internet and real estate, you just aren't. <laughs> so, you know, what, uh, what do you see as kind of the future? Is, it, is there anything new that's out there or is real estate going to be kind of what it is today? I think that uh, we're going to see a, a lot of people talk about Web3 and I was like, what, what okay. is Web3? But I think the blockchain t- technology is mm-hmm. going to be huge. And one of my friends, a big real estate investor, he just told me that somebody actually like took a grant deed and deeded himself onto like 15 of my friend's properties and took ownership oh, and, and recorded that. Right. So that's not going to happen eventually when blockchain, because all mm-hmm. these deeds and stuff. And so anyways, he ended up getting the properties back and mm-hmm. to sell them. It was a huge hassle, but there's a lot of fraud. So I think, I think web three is going to uh, revolutionize the way a lot of these things are done. I think mm-hmm. the the real estate agents out there, the mortgage brokers, like if you don't adapt right now with AI and, and chat GPT and all this stuff that's coming out, like that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, how do I, how do I stay uh, in the forefront of like what's going on? Right. Cause I want to just know like where, where, where should I take when, when I, when I have some dry powder, where do I mm-hmm. put it? Yeah. You know, do I, you know, and so I'm always looking, I put some in some mortgages and now they have, they have this one group that you can put up as little as $10 into a, like a short-term mortgage where they're lending on mm-hmm. a fix and flip deal. So yeah. I have like a, a couple thousand bucks spread across like 40 mortgages, right? So it's, it's a level, mm-hmm. uh, I created my own self-mutual fund, let's say. Yeah. So I do stuff like that when I have some dry powder. And then I'm always looking for deals, buying fourplexes, duplexes. And now for me, it's leveling up and then, you know, maybe pulling money and doing a syndication in the future. Okay. Or... What I'm going to probably do is what's called the fund of a fund mm-hmm. where I work with the experienced operator and I raise capital as a fund of a fund. And because I don't want to create another job for myself, yeah. but I can raise money and I can be a part of the deal. Yeah. And then whenever there's a good opportunity, like I'm also, I'm also looking at like easy strategies, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to just give a short story. So this lady called me and she wanted to buy some, she was in San Jose, California. She wanted to buy, some investment property. And I'm, so I'm going through my like kind of questionnaire, like, cause I don't care about doing your loan. Like, Hey, I love the business. I like to make money, but I want to give you good advice no matter what. That's the way I look. And so the lady's like, yeah, I paying $3,200 a month in rent in San Jose. And she doesn't own any real estate. And I want to go buy something in the Midwest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I go, let's just start with an easy strategy. Let's call We call it house yeah. hacking. Let's go take advantage of the FHA. We're going to go buy a duplex, triplex, or fourplex. You're going to live in mm-hmm. one of the units. You're going to rent the others out. It's going to cover your mortgage, and then you're going to cash flow fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month with only putting three and a half percent down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you move, live in there for a year or two. You move out of there. You refinance to take your money. You go do it again. You do that three or four times. Now you own twelve units in the Bay Area, and you don't have to go invest out of state, right? So mm-hmm. that's just strategy one, where you can have very little money. Yeah. And how, a lot of my young friends. The millennial generation, that's how exactly how they've created. I have a lot of friends in their early 30s that are, are multimillionaires now, and they started by house hacking, co-living, and keep on doing that. Now they have 60 mm-hmm. plus units. Yeah. So that's an easy strategy that's overlooked. And, and also, if you sell an owner-occupied house because of tax code, if you live there the last two years, I'm not a tax mm-hmm. attorney, single person, $250,000 exemption, married couple, yeah. 500000 I also had a 1031 exchange guy on the show. So let's just say I take my fourplex in Indiana. I have $200,000 of equity there. I do a 1031 exchange here in Las Vegas. 
and it, and it goes and buys a really cool midterm rental executive pad. I rent it out for two years. And then, oh, I decide to move into it. As long as you live in there for a certain amount of time, you can take a portion of that tax exemption. So you can actually either tax defer through 1031. And this is learning all like the ways to structure deals. A lot yeah. of people think, hey, I got to scale. It's not really about scaling. It's a few strategic moves in your life. The first house I bought, Jeff, I, I couldn't qualify for it. I bought it on a lease option. So I leased it for okay. a year and I set the yep. price. The price, this was when I was 21 years old, 22 in San Ramon, California. I set the price at 325. A year later, I got to exercise the option. The house now was worth 375. I created $50,000 of equity. I lived in the house. I didn't even know what house hacking was. I rented, uh, I rented a room to my best friend, Josh. Hmm. I rented another room to my other good friend, Joe. And they paid the majority of my mortgage for many years. Yeah. The one mistake I made is I sold that house to my brother when I moved to I moved, ended up moving to Lake Tahoe mm -hmm. and I sold it to my brother, gave him a good deal on it. Um, but I look back today, 20 years later, that house is that I bought for 325 is worth a million three. <laughs> right. And what if I just kept that and harvest the equity out? Yeah. It went up in value, harvest the equity is tax free money for right now. Right. Use that and redeploy. So mm -hmm. some people come to me and they're like, hey, I've got two rental properties. And they're like, they feel stuck. And they got like five, eight hundred thousand dollars of equity. So sometimes what we do is we help them, we coach them and go, Hey, let's, let's take some of that debt equity. Cause mm -hmm. like their goal might be to get five or $10,000 a month cash flow. They have a yeah. million dollars of equity and they're only making yeah. like a thousand bucks a month. I'm like, here, let me show you Boom. how to restructure this. Yeah. 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 And then we just, we turn their thousand dollars of cash flow into like five or 10,000 in yeah. a couple of different moves. And it doesn't, you know, they still have that property. So, so many ways of doing it. It's exciting world. And I, I, that's what I like about real estate. And I like to help people see all the, what, what's possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I bring in like in my meetup groups, I bring in some of my friends that are high level investors that would just blow people's mind. And I, you know, I think collectively, if you want to do it, you know, you can do it. There's so many ways you can go buy a business with SBA financing. We were talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be real estate or it could be self-storage. It could be a business. Now I'm thinking more like, I like the book, The E-Myth, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking more like working on the business. Like, what else can I acquire that doesn't take me yeah. working a 40-hour work week? Well, that's, I just sold a business that was uh, me working my butt off all the time. And now, you know, of course, I can't, I, I'm 55. So I'm like, I'm not going to retire. I don't really want to ever retire, but I'm sitting here going, okay, as I look at a business now, I'm looking at it from the perspective of, okay, what's the least amount of work I can do to generate the maximum amount of income? <laughs> so, we should be doing this from the time we're 20 years old, right? I, yeah, unfortunately. Nobody teaches us to. this stuff. Yep. Nobody that's, and that's a, beauty, a beautiful thing about podcasting, right? You're getting collective you know, knowledge from all these people. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to take, you can take little bits and pieces from all this collective genius and apply it to the real world. I was at a mastermind event. A lot of the guys actually live in Austin, but it's called okay. GoBundance. It's okay. like all these guys are millionaire plus. We have 900 people in the group. But anyways, I was sitting with a friend of mine and this really, I'm, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes because, because of our network, because of the people we hang out with and we listen to and like, we're kind of a certain breed. And if you're listening to this, like if you're a real, like, doesn't mean, you know, you could be a W2 employee right now and just be frustrated, but you have this inner wanting to grow. 
But anyways, I was talking to my friend Thiriel and he's like, hey, and I never knew this, but he said, because of you, I added a million dollars in net worth to my, wow. um, my balance sheet. And he be began to tell me the story. He says, because of you, I got in this, this, this go abundance group and I met all these amazing people. Then because of you, I was listening to one of your podcasts with your friend Ty, and then they were doing some, some direct, uh, they were really good at teaching people how to make, uh, sales calls. And, and okay. so Terriel would go every day for lunch with that group. And he ended up buying two properties, which increased the net worth by a million dollars. And he correlates that all to me. And I was like, literally like, <laughs> I wish it was my million dollars, but yeah. <laughs> other than uh, other than that, that was an amazing feeling to know that I had that much impact. Um, yeah. and, and I've heard that again and again. And it's not even me like necessarily sharing; it's just me bringing together people for my events to share wisdom. And Absolutely. sharing wisdom is the way for everybody to really excel. And at some point, even like myself, Jeff, I, I I haven't gotten to where I wanted to get in life. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of us from a financial standpoint, right? I'm always evolving. So I hired a business coach and a performance coach. And I never had a, like a coach before other than like when I played, you know, elementary uh, basketball or whatever. And so this has been an eye opening to have a coach. We've done like 26 sessions. I meet with him once a week. And, you know, he's not a coach where we're like, okay, what are your goals? And like, yeah. it's, it's more of a, like a, a to get a, a better picture of your life and like where you're going in direction mm -hmm. of your life. So it's been really eye opening. So I'm always trying to up level myself, um, not just from a financial standpoint, but from an overall like lifestyle. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? And that's, I think, why we get we podcast because we like to yeah. share and we like to give back to other people, right? Well, and and, I know that's and why and you I, do it too. Yeah, and I genuinely love talking to people like yourself because I'm like, okay, out of this, I mean, I've literally got a half page of notes of stuff that you've said that I'm like, Ooh, I need to think about that. I need to look into that. So, I mean, it's always getting to know these these people and it's what I love about podcasting. I'm like, I could care less if anybody listens to the show half the time. I enjoy the conversations and I'm I'm learning from that. And if somebody that's listening learns one little thing out of this or it sparks them to go, well, Bo said I could do this. I'm going to go try it, you know, and what's the, what's the worst that happens? Okay. So you might be wrong with most real estate. You're not going to be really wrong. I mean, you're, you've got something of value. It's not like you're going out and buying a $10,000 TV or something. I mean, it's, there is value to it. Um, and you can kind of work your way out of it as long as you don't go crazy Exactly. <laughs> and yep. over leverage. So thank you for that. Uh, so let's transition into the fast five questions. I, I'm interested to hear your answers to these. Uh, so first off, wake up in the morning, business is gone. You have 500 bucks, a laptop computer, place to live. What are you going to do first? Um, good question. I would, um, I mean, I would still have my, I'm guessing I'd still have my connections yep. in life. I would do what I do now, which is create really good content online. Okay. And people find me because it's virtually free. Like, so I put a lot of content out on YouTube. Okay. And so people find my content because they're looking for, let's say, SBA financing. They mm -hmm. watch my video and then they book a call and then I help facilitate the transaction and I make a fee. Mm. So I would continue to do that because although that's not the quickest way to make a buck, I know over the next 30 to 60 days, my calendar is going to start being full. So that's, I know like, because I have certain wisdom on, on, on different loan products that I can help guide people. People mm -hmm. always need money. And basically I broker money, right? Yeah. I broker leverage. 
And so people come to me because like they're, they want to cut through the chase. Like you can go to one bank and they can say, oh, we need you to put 20% down. I could take, get the same loan program with a different bank. And they say, oh no, you only, well, 10% is what we need on this deal. And we don't need to, you know, do all this other stuff. So I really just cut through the waters and help people like, this is the best financing for you. Here's why. And it's not just this transaction. We look down the road, right? Like, yes, sometimes I could do a transaction for you and, and earn a fee, but mm -hmm. I'm just, I'd rather just tell you, hey, you're better off doing it as a second home because you're actually going to occupy it. You get 90% financing on the second home. As long as you occupy it by four, uh, 14 days out of the year, check mm -hmm. with your lender because I want to make sure it's all kosher. But if you can, if it is, you can buy it as a second home and then you can also run it as an Airbnb. Hmm. So instead of them coming to me for other loan where they might have to put 20% down, if they're going to actually truly occupy it for 14 days out of the year, they can probably buy it as a second home. Right? So they come to me and I give them guidance. And whether I do it or at least I'm providing value in a 15-minute, I usually do a 15-minute free call with people. Okay. And just like, hey, how can I help you? What, what questions can I answer? Because everybody has questions. Like, I want to buy this business. And then I'll give them, like, well, you can do it this way, this way, and this way. That's what I would do just because it's virtually free. And then, um, and then the other thing is, is, is um, I would probably go to an event with a couple hundred bucks. And then I would put myself in a room where there's people I want to connect with and I could potentially do business with, hmm. but I would never be that salesperson. I would just yeah have conversations because I think, I think the people forget that like when you go to an event, that's, there's your avatars right there, whatever you do. Like maybe it's, a wholesaler that can wholesale sell you a deal and you can make, you could flip that house or, or maybe you find a deal from a realtor cause you're at a real estate event and then you can assign that contract or you can mm. buy that deal. So I think that people forget the power of people cause we're so quick, even though I leverage social media and, and yeah. in that way, when you're belly to belly and you can make really good relationships, I think that's another way to propel. But I, I think it's being strategic about that too. You know, of choose, yeah, you know, don't just necessarily go out there and just blindly start networking everywhere. Be strategic on where you're doing it and make sure that it's your avatars that are in that room because you could, you can spend a lot of time just wasting time uh, and being busy. That's an excellent point. So, like when yeah. I go to like a networking event or meet, uh, like a, like I was just in, at this event in Tahoe hmm. last week, you know, there's very few, there's certain people that you want to connect with and, you know, I'm genuine, but I also, in the back of my mind, have like, what are some possible business outcomes that can come from this conversation with XYZ? And so from that event I was at, I have those people that I'm going to now recirculate with. Hey, it was awesome seeing you. I haven't seen you in three years. First time I saw you last week. It's good to see you. I have some ideas that I think we could work together on some projects. And these are high level people, right? So yeah. I'm making these and these people I've, I've shown up for, you know, other than the last couple of years when I got married, but these people know me to be somebody who's not take, take, take. Hmm. It's a, you know, I'm there providing value. And then yeah. when I, when I actually want to take or ask, hmm. they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to open their arms because it's not like I ask for things all the time. And so that's also thing you got to keep in the back of your mind is how would you approach people? When, when you go up to somebody and they don't know you, they're going to make a determination in the first 30 seconds if they like you or not. Hmm. You know, once in a while, they'll make a bad judgment and then they'll say, oh, actually, I do like this person. But that's like your uh, part of your, your brain that uh, I forgot. I interviewed a guy on my podcast. He explained how it all works. But it's true, right? Like you either know you like somebody yep. or you don't. 
you can even over a podcast you could say jeff can say oh you know what bo is an individual i want to get to know because he was opening my mind and i like what he was saying and i love his energy versus there might be some people that come on your show and you're like god this person's boring and there's and i can't even stand the conversation yeah so (laughs) when i when i'm out there i'm networking and then it's like at the right time you see if there's some opportunity there yeah and, well, and, and life's yeah. too short to be around people that suck. So, I mean, yeah. it, you know, just because somebody has money doesn't mean that's somebody I want to hang out with or be around. Um, I really want to focus on, uh, you know, being around people that I really love because, I mean, honestly, I'm there to, to figure out, okay, how can I best help connect you to my network? Because I might not have something for you right away, but I can at least connect you with somebody in my network. Uh, right away. And I hope people do the same for me. And, you know, that's, that's how you really grow. And, and that's true. Networking is really caring about people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. Cause there was a guy at the event that I just went to and I never met him in person. We talked on mm-hmm. and I interviewed him on my podcast before, but we really didn't have a good, like, like that known relationship yep. other than it was just like a colleague, but he's, he was referring me all sorts of people. And then <laughs> I, I went to him at the event. I'm like, I, I bought them like a, a a membership for one year for it's called Masterclass and they do like okay. really cool video classes from like yeah. Russell Bronson and all these big um, entrepreneurs. Um, not Russell Bronson. What's the the Virgin Air guy? Uh, oh, R- Richard Branson. Richard yeah. Branson. Yeah. Yeah. And so he has a class on there. So I got it for I got it for Jamie. His name is Jamie. And uh, like you know, I didn't have to do it, but the guy is like sending me referrals is having me speak in front of his network. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Right. I want to give him something (laughs) of value. I don't want to give him, just give him a gift card because yeah, it's something, and it's something cool that has some thought behind it too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, that's what I'm really getting more, more strategic. I was just talking to my coach too. And my coach is an amazing individual. He was um, years ago. He, he, he was Metallica's coach when Metallica (laughs) was going to break up. His name is Phil Toll. Um, and I was referred from a friend of mine to get, that's how I met Phil, but Phil's an amazing coach. And we were just talking about like the relationships, like, and I was telling him about the event and kind of my thoughts about the guys I want to work with and do some partnership stuff. And, and, and also like, we all have like limiting beliefs. So I was kind of like, okay, like, you know what, just be okay. Like get out of your comfort zone, right? Like get, it's okay to like, have a conversation. And even if, you know, if, if Jim or whoever doesn't like the idea I present to him, at least I presented the idea. Like it's mm-hmm. okay for people not to say no to you. Right. Like, yeah. And so that's what people like, it sounds stupid, but people got to get like, if I want to buy houses, right. I got to make a hundred calls to realtors and say, Hey, I like this pocket list or this listing you got, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to get on the phone. You have to build relationships. Those relationships with those realtors are going to bring in those off-market deals, those good opportunities. That's what I just did in Pennsylvania. I saw this fourplex on Zillow. Hmm. I never bought in this area. I knew nothing about this part, but I'm like, hey, I like it. It seems like a decent deal. So I called the listing agent, became friends with her, right? And yeah. she helped me get a great deal, even better deal on it. And That's so- brilliant. Just, and she'll also be that one that says, hey, you know, I, Bo, I've got this. I, I just saw this thing pop up. I thought about you. You know, boom. <laughs> yeah. So I have a friend in the Bay Area when I was buying flips in the Bay Area. His name is Ty. He's a very high producing real estate agent and investor. Mm-hmm. And 
he he wholesaled me a few deals and he says i'm always going to go to you first you know why because i like you first of all but mm. you make things so easy yeah so he would that's another thing the ease of the transaction like if i make it really hard for ty and it, like tied like i'm never doing a deal with this guy again because yeah. it made everything so painful i make things super easy and so these guys are like this was the easiest assignment deal i've done bo does what he says he does and if he mm-hmm. and if if he has to like retrade the contract there's got to be a significant reason i'm not going to go in and play games so if you get those whole those wholesalers can make you a ton of money right because they're basically mm-hmm. serving you up deals with meat on the bone yeah relationships that's awesome love it what's the biggest business mistake you've ever made uh the biggest business mistake i ever made I would say that it seems that every partnership I got into, um, mm-hmm. you know, like a house flipping partnership and uh, or buy and hold partnership that although I like the people and still do to this day, like I started buying properties in the Midwest and, and my partner was supposed to be the guy that was overseeing the construction and the, or the contractors and everything. It didn't work. So mm-hmm. I ended up having to put a lot of money into these deals. So I would say that it seems that partnerships may not be the best or going forward, how will I do partnerships differently? I think that yeah. I see partnerships fail so often that there's a lot of value to have strategic partners. Mm. And also, I think you got to learn the partnership way and how you set the expectations. That's an art itself. And I think you got to spend the time up front really detailing that out, maybe in your operating agreement even getting an attorney involved, even if it's your best friend, mm. because you just want things crystal clear. Hey, this is my responsibility. This is your responsibility. If something goes wrong, this is our procedures. That was my biggest mistake so far, I would say. Yeah, I concur. And, and I've had the same issue. So <laughs> I can completely relate to you. What's a good book that you'd recommend for our audience? Who Not How. Who Not How. Who's that? Who Not How, yeah. Dan Sullivan and... So Who Not, who not How is really about who, not how, right? And so, like, I don't know, I don't need to know how a a syndication works. My who is my attorney, right? Like, I'm getting the best who out there. And so, I just think, like, you need those who's in your life because Mm -hmm. it's really, you don't need to figure out. Like, in the past, I'd have to figure out everything and, like, be an expert and almost overthink things versus, like, well, why don't we just get the right people, the right who, And so Dan Sullivan, who is a business coach, wrote that Mm -hmm. book and he didn't write that book. He found a who to write that book. (laughs) I think his name is Benjamin Hardy. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. So Dan's who was Benjamin for the book and Ben wrote an amazing book, but it was based on Dan Sullivan's. Dan Sullivan has a coaching program called Strategic Coach. He's a very high level coach. But anyways, Mm. that was a great book. And then I listened to, I just listened to audio book, uh, Dave, David Goggins' second book. Oh, I haven't heard, I haven't read that one yet. David or, Goggins, or to it yet. Yeah. his first book is Can't Hurt Me. Yep. And that one of teaches, the best books I listened to in 2022. His next book is, is, is good like that too, if yeah. not even better. Cause you actually, his mom gets on. That's why I listened to it on Audible. Cause you actually, yep. in between chapters. But what David Goggins has taught me was to build callus. Not only on my hand, but in my mind. Because a lot of the things that I dealt with really is just a mind thing, right? Like everything is a mind thing. Like I used to take other people's stress and and I would endure their stress. And now I've mm-hmm. learned to set up boundaries like, hey, I, I feel really bad, but this is your problem, not my problem. Like I'll mm-hmm. try to help you, right? In the loan business, 
I had this lady lady call me crying because she was trying to buy her dream house and she had to figure out how to like refinance to get the cash out. And anyways, I, I did the whole thing. I, I did, she got it and, and she ended up buying, but there was a time where she was so stressed because she was buying this multi-million dollar house, which her and her husband were going to move into. It was her, her forever home. She's a very successful real estate agent. And I remember like she was putting so much stress on me, right? Because I yeah. and I felt her stress. Like, and I, and I'm, I don't want to have to feel your stress. Yeah. Like, listen, I'll do whatever I can. I'll bend over backwards. But I would always take people's stress and stress mm -hmm. kills you. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I'm 45. Yeah, we, I don't we, want, have, yeah. we have enough stress in our own lives. We don't need to take on other people's so stress. I, so I learned how to deflect yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. What's a good tool that you use in your business every day? Chat GPT. If you're not using AI, if you're not using AI, the, uh, people compare artificial intelligence to like electricity for our generation, which yeah. people are saying this is a $26 trillion thing. And it's so true. You can go on to Chat GPT. It's amazing what you can do with Chat GPT. Mm. I literally write blogs by just creating a prompt and prompting the people that are going to. So, like, if you're a copywriter or write books or whatever, like, you need to be adapting. You need, like, for me, I do loans, right? I want to be found online. How do I get mm -hmm. found online? How do I rank my videos? I use ChatGPT. I created prompts. The prompts prompt. I say, write an article about, you know, um, buying a franchise with SBA financing. Mm -hmm. Chat, pretend you're the best mortgage advisor in the world. ChatGPT writes an amazing articles. Yep. I put on presentations. I do this. I, I utilize ChatGPT. I take transcriptions and I say, hey, can you, you know, rewrite this transcription and in in, in put four bullet points, 400 words. Yes, ChatGPT can do that mm -hmm. very quickly. So yeah. then there's also other tools like Jasper AI, but utilizing AI in your business is amazing. Even if you want to create an email or a marketing message or a campaign or show notes for a podcast, we don't have to go out of Fiverr or Upwork and outsource this now. We can now create prompts, use that prompt, and put it in the chat GPT. Boom. There you go. Well-written article. Yeah. One I got from a friend of mine is Phrase, too. It's another one like ChatGPT, and it's it's genius. I mean, I I wrote my first blog article with it, and I'm, I'm a good writer, but, I mean, you know, it takes time. And, you know, sitting down and coming up with, okay, a thousand words, I mean, it could take a week to do all that. And, I mean, this literally is like, boom, like that. Within 15 minutes, I'd written the first article, and I'm like, it, it's good. You know, in a lot of cases, I'll take that and then run it through like a Grammarly just to make sure it's written correctly. But, you know, I mean, for the cost of, I don't know what chat GPT costs, but, you know, I think phrase is like 50 bucks a month. I mean, I couldn't hire somebody that cheap <laughs> to do that work. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, I mean, this is just the start of what, yeah. I mean, we don't even know, but yeah, I can write, it, it can write code right now. I could do so much. So, mm. you know, even if you're not a techie it. there, it's pretty simple to use. And, and yeah. there's so much, so you just got to start thinking like what I'm, the way I'm thinking right now is like, what, what can I utilize this? You know, how do you leverage your time? And that's like, why well, I got three virtual team members in the Philippines because mm -hmm. my dollar goes farther in the Philippines. Yep. They work the same hours I work. They're used to working. Most of them virtual assistants are used to working uh Pacific time or, you know, East coast or American time zone and uh hardworking people and very loyal, humble great team members. So I'm leveraging there. Right. And then, so my dollar goes further. Uh, and, and also, you know, uh, a lot of people in these specific countries, 
this is like they've been working in these environments in these call centers and, and working with virtual companies like American companies for a long time. So this is just second nature to them. So mm -hmm. they edited all my videos. I use ChatGPT. So yeah, I'm just always trying to optimize because um, you know even things like Calendly. Mm -hmm. Calendly is a, a calendar booking, right? Like once yep. you get Calendly or something similar to that, it's like this is the time I'm available. And then it like people book a call because they need to talk about loans. I ask them, it automatically asks a few questions and then I get all the information. Then I show up on Zoom and I, I meet with them and say, okay, you're trying to buy a self-storage facility, boom, boom, boom. You know, we have a 15 minute meeting. Mm -hmm. Either they just had questions or maybe they need a loan. I go to a template that has all the, I have a, a I mean, I created a little template called Quick Links with everything that I do on a repetitive basis. These are all things to optimize. So. Whatever yeah. you're doing, if you're going to look, if you're looking to buy property, what do you do? You set up an email address, you get your Zillow, you put your buy boxes in Zillow, Trulia, your listings, they come in. You can even have a virtual assistant that's actually going out and making offers or connecting with the, the listing agents on the properties. You can create these systems. I was never very systems oriented. Actually, I'm not. I create complete ADD. Systems to me are so hard. But what do I do? You know, you, you get like I have Bill. Bill is my part-time marketing guy. I can basically, Bill, he's like my left brain or my right brain. I go, mm -hmm. Bill, I need to do this. And he goes, okay, let's do this. He actually does that stuff for you. So yeah. you can outsource all this stuff. Even you take your strengths, you work your strengths, and then you get the people that can help you on that side, right? Mm -hmm. And then you learn from other people. Like Vinny is buying $60 million buildings. I'm like, I'm buying a $90,000 fourplex and you're buying a $60 million building. And he goes, well, that's both because you don't know the power of OPM, other people's money. Yeah. He's been raising money. You know, he's a, he's a syndicator. He's done 30 syndications. Okay. Right. And so when he gets paid, he gets paid a million dollars a time he, when he goes and buys the property because he gets mm. fees up front on a syndication. So anyways, there's always a way for you to learn and grow. And also not everybody needs to be a Vinny or a David, right? you got to find your own path and what mm -hmm. makes you comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, cause I've got a good friend that's uh he's a major real estate investor and really well known on, on YouTube and stuff like that. And I, I'm literally like, dude, I don't need that much. You know, I mean, I got my wife and I, that's it. I don't really need to leave a legacy behind. So for me, life is pretty simple and I'm not looking to complicate it with all that stuff. You know, I want, I want life to be able to, I, I can do what I want, when I want, where I want and, and how I want and not have to worry about it. And that's good enough for me. It, it may not be for somebody. Somebody may be saying, I want to be a billionaire someday. Well, that's, that's great. I don't I have yeah. no, no need to. <laughs> I look at it as a, I look at it as a cash flow thing to me. I don't care yeah. about net worth as much. I mean, yeah, it is great kind of to know you have all this equity, but to me, yeah. it's like, what do I have every day coming in on a residual basis with, with me doing pretty much next to nothing other than check my property management statement. And, you know, if there's some repairs that look over, Oh, like I'm getting paying too much. Mm. Like to me, that's ideal. So, yeah. But right now we're in the journey. Right. And so you, we, I love the journey too, but also the end game for me, or I think we're getting there on a question. Aren't we? Huh? Uh, that might be the but, next question. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Well, actually it is. So what's your definition of freedom? So to me, freedom is, is, is really being a, a 200 percenter would be, would be freedom to me. Meaning, you know, it cost me, let's just say it cost me 10 grand a month to live and pay all my bills or 15, whatever. Uh, I live pretty inexpensively, so it's probably more like 12, but 
Hmm. That that's that's actually a lot of money, but yeah. to me, it's that doesn't seem that uh, like so. Let's just say it's ten thousand a month. I need to get to twenty thousand passive, and I'd be at two hundred percent. Meaning, I have enough passive where I could just basically reinvest that extra ten grand a month into more things that are going to multiply that that will convert me to becoming a two hundred and fifty percenter. Because then it's like you wake up and you do what you want, and like to kind of like go go back to what you said. Like you sold your business. You're fifty five. You're ten years older than me. Mm. Like we're never going to stop. Like working and doing stuff because we enjoy it right but i don't like right now i'm i i do things that i maybe don't love and that's why i hired a business coach to like Mm. figure it out like okay i don't love this now so to me it's all about the flip-flop lifestyle i can wear flip-flops every day i can bring my laptop and i can run my business from like my wife's from mexico from mexico Mm -hmm. and just not be stuck in front of my computer all day if i don't want to be yeah that's it. Simple. Enjoy food. Enjoy people. Go to the gym every day. And that's really the goal. I love it. Love it. Great answer, man. Well, Bo, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it, but it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. And uh, I loved uh, all the stuff that you said. And this is, uh, it's perfect for those folks that are really thinking about this piece and having that piece as part of their, uh, their portfolio. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks for having me. It was it was a fun conversation and it gets me excited just like yeah. thinking about all this stuff. So. Me too. I'm like, geez, I, I was running out of note space over here <laughs> as, as you were going. Uh, well, folks, as always, uh, this is now season three and we're really focusing on bringing on experts that can talk mm-hmm. a little bit about different concepts within the, the Freedom Nation and the Freedom Day uh, universe. Um, and I, you know, as I've told you before, real estate, I believe is one of those pieces that everybody needs in their portfolio because it's, it's a way to get there and there's a ton of different ways to do it. So go out and explore that a little bit, go out and go take some courses, you know, read books on these subjects and everything else. So as always, we do this twice a week. So we'll see you back here next time. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.